I'm telling you, Josie, you should have seen it. Why, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. What? What, Callie Mae? What are you talking about? My good friend Joe has always wanted to be in the history club, and today he was initiated. They made him run down the hall in a Paul Revere costume yelling, The British is coming! The British is coming! To arms! To arms! He yelled, running down the hall really strange. I've never seen anyone move so fast. Well, that sure does sound kind of strange, but what's so funny? Well, you know, the corner of the English and math wing, Joe was running so fast down the hall that somehow... When he reached the corner, he went right out of his shoes. Going head over heels, he somehow regained his balance, sliding around the corner, and was gone. No stopping him now. It all happened so fast. I mean, one minute, here comes Joe. The next, nothing but smoking tennis shoes. <laughs> Eddie, what are you doing? Uh, well, Callie Mae... I saw that there was a string on your shirt. Well, I tried to pull it. Don't do that! Do you know what might happen if you pull that string? What if, what if? Oh, the thought, I can't bear to think of what might happen. Well, what are you so afraid of? You don't think your arms will fall off, do you? Yep, exactly. I can see it now. A life without my little arms. Really? Oh. Oh, you don't have arms, Josie. That's not a nice thing to say, Callie Mae. Okay. People would come from miles around to see the 10th wonder of the world. It could even be the kind of disaster that would make front page on newspapers or even the TV. Hmm. I sure would come see. Yeah, yeah. I can see it now. New Life Ministries presents Callie May, the armless puppet. Man, I've kind of grown kind of attached to both my arms. Callie May, nothing will happen. You're right. Sure nothing will happen. Look at what happened with Joe. One minute, he's running through the hall yelling at the top of his lungs. And the next minute, total wipeout. It's just a little string. And just a few seconds ago, you thought that total wipeout was really funny. It yeah, was. Callie Mae. Relax. You sure do have a way with words, you know. You're so dramatic. Really? You know, Callie Mae, people spend more time thinking about why or how things have happened. Instead, they really need to think about what they can learn from these things. Um, Eddie, you just lost me again. What do you mean? What Eddie is trying to say is sometimes we focus more attention on needless things rather than on things that we really need to think about. Really? Name one. Well, for example, we pay more attention to the differences people have rather than the person. It doesn't matter if we have freckles, curls, scars, glasses, red or brown hair, 
to see is what the Bible says on this. Psalm 139.14 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have differences to give glory to God. Genesis 1.27 states that God created man in his own image, in God's image. That means the pattern for mankind is God. People sometimes forget this truth and say some things that are hurtful to others. But we are important to God. In what way? Well, by reading Matthew 10.30, we'll show how important we are to God. It says, but the very hairs on your head are numbered. Just think, God considers it so important to know everything about you, even how many little hairs are on your head. And if one falls out, he knows it. He makes me feel loved. By the way, Callie Mae, in case you hadn't noticed, I have lots of hair. Yep, you do, Eddie. A whole lot. Thanks, guys. I never thought of it that way before. Knowing this, I won't be so anxious to make fun of others. This string will not be a problem anymore. I believe I'll have Mom clip it off when she gets home. I feel a whole lot better, guys. Great. Now finish telling me what happened to your friend Joe. Oh, yeah, about them shoes. Let me say. Hey, where y'all going? Them things were smoking. Tell me, Meg. Wow. Tell me what happened to Joe. All right. Oh, great. Now I'll never know what happened. Bye. This time our children may be dismissed to Children's Church. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119 that the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Our pastor is getting ready to bring the word to us today. And I don't know about you, but each week it gives me enough fuel to push through. Uh, we need to be regenerated each week. Um, it's, t- it's tough to walk around in the dark. And so uh, the word that the pastor brings each and every week is there for us to learn how to navigate uh, the obstacles of life that we face. So as our pastor comes, if you'll bow your heads, I'd like to say a prayer for him today. Father, we thank you for the sur- uh, service so far, Lord, and the worship that you've given us today, Lord. We thank you for your presence. And Father, I pray as we enter into the word today that you would anoint Pastor Ron to bring forth word, dear Lord, that you would uh, touch our hearts, dear Lord, and speak to each of us today, Father, that we may grow in you. We give you all the glory and praise, for it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. John, in his gospel, the gospel of John, said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was nothing made that was made. And then verse 14 of that verse, or that chapter, tells us, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. I want us to ponder that first part very quickly. And for those of you who are sweating it, by noticing what time it is, 
May I comfort your hearts by letting you know that this will be a brief sermon. Not an hour like last week. I'm so sorry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, let's turn to our text, if you would turn with me to 1 John, and you'll see the words on the screen, if you'd like to read it there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father And with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Let's just leave that one on the screen there if you don't mind. As we read the gospel of John, which sounded very similar to 1 John chapter 1, did it not? Talking about what John had seen with his eyes. What John had heard with his ears, what John had touched with his hands, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John and in 1 John. Written by the same man, by the way, using the same language, speaking about the same experience that he had as one of the Lord's chosen disciples, having having heard Jesus speak having seen Jesus perform miracles, having touched the Lord. There's passages in Scripture where we read where that John leaned on Jesus. We're going to be singing that in a few moments, leaning on Jesus. All of us need to do that, by the way. We need to lean on the Lord. We need to be so acquainted with the Lord. Did you know today that God... The Lord Jesus Christ and His Son and His Spirit. God doesn't want to be a 10 million mile away God. God wants to be a right here, right now God. God is not a kind of God where we can sense His presence when we come together on a Sunday morning and get goosebumps and maybe tears in our eyes and and feel something that we know is real. We may not understand it, but we know we've been where the presence of God was. But then we're just supposed to shove that into the background, and on Monday we go to work and give God another thought until the next Sunday rolls around. That's not the way it's supposed to be. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things in the lives of professing Christians today that are not supposed to be. Amen? John, you might think of John as being a, maybe a, um, how many of you remember Carmen, the singer Carmen? Anybody remember him? I used to really like Carmen. He was a contemporary guy. Of course, he's getting to be an old man now. But he used to talk about, um, 
he used to have a song and he'd talk about how John was going around loving everybody, going around hugging everybody. Well, that's the kind of person that John was. He talks about love more than anybody else in, in the Gospels. Um, he talks about love in this very book that we're reading today, the first epistle of John. He focuses on love and he obviously had a special attachment to the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus was hanging on the cross dying, he looked down at John and said, woman, behold your son talking about John. And he looked at John and said, woman, or John, behold your mother. In other words, when I'm gone, John, I'm expecting you to take care of my mom. And vice versa. So he was very special to the Lord Jesus. And John focused on love. He was the apostle of love. He talks about love all the time. If you've read the gospel of John and the epistles of John that we're just beginning today. So you would think maybe that he was uh, kind of a pushover. Some people think that if you really exhibit love, that means you, you kind of um, don't have a backbone. Maybe kind of feminine. But that's, that's got nothing to do with love. John understood love. And John also understood that when you love somebody, you tell them the truth. Amen? Whether you think it will be well received or not, if you love them, you tell them the truth. So as John is writing here, and he calls them beloved several times in this book of the Bible, and he tells them that, that they're children of God, and, and he calls them dear children and so forth. But he does not pull any punches. So I'm going to share with you briefly today some of the things that John said about Christians in his day that are extremely applicable today to Christians in our day. He said in chapter 1, verse 5, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say that we have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. That's pretty plain, isn't it? And then he continues by saying in chapter 2, verse 3. Now, by this, we know that we know him. By this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him. And does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Again, he's a straight shooter, isn't he? And then he says in verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Again, he's shooting straight. As a pastor of approaching now 40 years... I can tell you that I have been the pastor of people for numerous years in different churches where there would be one person sitting on this side of the church and they would worship God and say they loved God and they wouldn't even speak to somebody who sat on the other side of the church who worshiped the same God and sang the, sang the same songs. The hatred, the unforgiveness, 
The bitterness was so strong between the two and both of them claiming to be right with God. And to them, John would make that pronouncement. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He gives us other things to consider. In chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. If Christians can't love one another, they're not really Christians. Amen? Chapter 4, verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen... How can he love God whom he has not seen? It probably would be helpful for us to understand that at the time this book was written, this man, John, was approaching a hundred years old. How many know that's old? He was an old man. In fact, it is said concerning John in history that when he stood before the church and they asked him to say something, he was so old and so weak that they had to help him to the front. And somebody had to stand on either side of him to steady his arms while he stood there. And they would say, please, John, speak, John, tell us, John, something. And John would say, beloved, love one another. And they would say, when John finished, they would say, more, John. Tell us more, John. And John would say, beloved, love one another. John, tell us more. Tell us something different. Tell us more, John. And still, this old man being being held by people on either side. He was so old and so weak. He would say, it is enough. Love one another. If there is a message that the church needs to hear today, I don't mean just this church. I mean the church in general. It is love one another. John lays it out so plainly. I think probably at age 100 or so, he had come to the point he really didn't care what the reaction was going to be. He knew he didn't have much time left, so he was just going to tell the truth. And he put it on the table so that people could understand it. Jesus said it this way, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. In other words, Jesus said the yardstick we use or the yardstick the world uses to determine if we're Christians or not is how we treat one another. 
and if we love one another. And sadly, there are churches who have a reputation of being a fighting church instead of a loving church. Amen? The Lord and John here in this book of the Bible call us to be genuine. To be genuine. To be real. If you Please be a Christian. But if you're going to be a Christian, be a real one. And do what the Bible teaches. And love one another. And don't hold grudges. And, and on and on, this could go in different areas. These are just some things that I highlighted to make this point. So now with that in mind, I want to back up and read that text again. If you'll listen this time, you can leave this. Well, that's fine. Let's read it. That which was from the beginning. He's talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about Christ. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, they heard him speak. Which we have seen with our eyes, they saw him perform miracles. Which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested. Jesus came, and we could see who God was when we looked at Jesus. God manifest in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Declaring unto us the truth. We've seen him. And we bear witness. And we declare to you. That eternal life. Which was with the father. And was manifested to us. His name is Jesus. Then we continue. That which we have seen. And heard. We declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. If you'll remember. There was a time when Paul talked about. His experience seeing and hearing Jesus. If that puzzles you, come talk to me about it. I'll show it to you in scripture. And then there was a time when James, the brother of our Lord, referenced that as well. And now we have John here doing the same thing. Telling us about how precious it was to be an eyewitness Of who Jesus was. In other words, to have experienced something real. I'm going to tell you what. Christians today need to experience something real. I'm not talking about when I say be a Christian today. I'm not talking about that I prayed a prayer 40 years ago and asked Jesus to save me. That's a wonderful thing to be saved. But I'm talking about walking in fellowship with the Lord. We'll keep this brief, I promise. But let me let me just share with you this illustration. Some of you have heard this before. Many years ago, I was in a hospital room. It was the first church I served. And there was an elderly gentleman lying in the bed, dying with cancer. Dying. He had hours at most to live, and we all knew it. He hadn't been in touch with his family. It was one of those dysfunctional families. The kids wouldn't talk to each other. The kids wouldn't talk to dad. He, he tried to reach out to him. They wouldn't have anything to do with him. But now dad was dying. There were just hours to go. A son stood on one side of the bed and a daughter stood on the other side of the bed. And I sat or stood at the foot of the bed as they came in. They were there just a few moments. And it wasn't hardly any time at all. I am not exaggerating. I promise. A fist fight broke over 
They were swinging at each other and hitting each other across his body lying in that bed. Well, I'm a young pastor, but I wasn't stupid. I knew somebody needed Jesus. So I said to this this lady who was there, I said, um, could I take you to lunch? Could we go down to the cafeteria? And I'll, I, I, I'd like to talk with you. We'll have lunch. She said, sure. So we went and got something to eat. And while we were talking, I said, have you ever um, had any dealings with church? Have you ever given your life to the Lord? Have you ever considered the fact that someday we're all going to stand before our maker and meet Jesus? And she said, oh, yeah, that's all fine. I was baptized when I was 12. And I thought to myself, so what? Because what did we just read in the scripture? If you say that you belong to him, but you don't keep his commandments. If you say that you belong to him and you hate your brother. If you say that you belong to him and you're using all these foul words and hatred is spewing out of your mouth. And you're literally swinging each other over your your daddy who's dying in the bed. It takes more than that, folks. Amen? Living for the Lord is a whole lot more than, than a prayer that you prayed sometime back and you hang your hat on that and it's like you take a big ballpoint pen and you put a period at the end of that and you act like that's all there is to it. That's not all there is to it. Because after we repent and come to the Lord and He becomes our Savior, He expects us to live for Him. Now listen very carefully. And he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to get to know him. He wants us to commune with him. He wants to hear from us. And yes, despite of the multitude of people who mocked our vice president when he said that he talked to God and he believes that God talks to him. I'll tell you, I believe God talks to me too. And the type of fellowship that we can have with the Lord Jesus Christ, fellowship means we're close enough. We, we have intimacy. We share together. The, the old hymn says, I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God discloses. And most of you know that course. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I feel so sad. For Christians who never feel God's presence except when they're in a sanctuary at church. I feel sad that people don't have a, a, a relationship with the Lord. The fellowship is not to where they can talk to the Lord and, 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 and share and pour out their heart to Him and then be still before the Lord long enough to sense that they're, that He's speaking back to them. Whether it's through his word or whether it's a still small voice. I'm not talking about a blasting voice. The Lord can speak to us in many ways. He wants to do that. The Bible all the way through teaches. That's nothing strange. If you're a Bible reader, you know that. 
God will speak to his people. And so, John continues, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That that I've seen and heard and experienced myself, I declare it to you that you also may have fellowship with us. I want you to experience, John says, what I have experienced so that we can have fellowship together. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You can have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And, and he's writing this book. And the next statement he makes is, and these things we write to you, what? That your joy may be three drops. That your joy will be just a little bit in the bottom of a cup. No. He says, I'm going to write these things to you. These things will help you. If you'll hear what I have to say, John says, and you'll obey the word of God and keep his commandments and love one another and forgive. If you'll talk to me, I'll talk to you and we will have fellowship that will will be sweet. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Amen. Oh, there's so much I want to say, but I'm not going to. But I'm going to turn to chapter 5, verse 14, which says, Now this is the confidence, as our musicians are coming back. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Now, you say... To yourself, maybe. I've had people say it to me. They would own up to this feeling. Perhaps you've had this feeling. There have been times I've had this feeling. That's why the Word of God is so important. Because it says, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, and we know that we're praying according to His will... Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's a beautiful verse in John. They're not all hard. They're not all in-your-face commandments. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, just look, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. I'm glad to be a child of God today, aren't you? Sadly, there are many people who think that being a Christian is a a dull, boring, uneventful, sad life. Now, why would they think it would be a sad life? Because most Christians look sad. But John wrote that our joy might be full. Not that we'd be sad, but that we'd be full. And the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your what? If you're, listen, if you're communicating with the Lord, if you're in fellowship with the Lord, if you're leaning on the Lord, if you're walking with the Lord and you know you are in a right relationship with Him, you're going to have joy in your soul. Amen. And that's a beautiful thing. 
We're going to sing this old song. I'd like for you to stand with me. It says, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. And I selected this song, I guess primarily for this verse right here. We're going to sing it all. But listen, it goes so well with this passage. What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine. Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Let's sing it together. It's not a depressing song, so we're not going to sing it depressing. Let's sing it together. What a fellowship. What a joy divine.
sing that again in just a moment. But if you're here today and you have a need in your life and you just feel like you need to lean on the Lord, you need to lay it at the altar. You need to commit it to Him. I'm going to ask you to come. While we sing this, you can come bow. Someone will come and pray with you. And we will talk to the Lord together. But specifically, or additionally, if you're here today, and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to quote one more verse of Scripture that comes from the same book of the Bible that we preach from today. 1 John 1, 9 says... If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're here today and you'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, you don't have to beg Him. You don't have to twist His arm. You don't have to cry an hour and a half to talk Him into it. The Bible says it is finished. He paid the price. All you have to do now is receive it. And if you're willing to do that, I'd love to speak with you and pray with you before you leave today. So as we sing this one more time, if you'd like to receive Christ, please step right over here to the right-hand side, my left. If you have a need and you just want to bow before the Lord, you can come over here to your left, my right. We'll talk to you. I'm learning to cares about us however we may be hurting the load that we carry may be heavy we may feel that we've gotten a raw deal somehow from somebody Lord there may be offenses there may be hurts there may be aggravations but Lord help us to learn to lean on you I pray today that you would wrap your arms of love around each person in this building today. 
Help them to feel and sense and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them. That you care about them. That you died for them. That you do indeed want fellowship with them. So minister, we pray. Lord, we commit these needs to you. These who have bowed at the altar today. You understand their lives, their hearts, their needs. And Lord, we surrender this to you, praying, Lord, that you would minister and meet these needs in accordance with your perfect will. You, Lord, are an awesome God, and we love you today. Somehow, some way, I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to the realities that exist in living a life that's committed to you. The fellowship that is available to us. The communion with you through the Holy Spirit that is available to us. Lord, I I just ask that you would bless this congregation today. Touch their hearts and lives. Meet their needs, we pray. For we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Chris, come right ahead. You may remain standing if you don't mind. What a powerful word today. I tell you, I've, I've lived both ways. I've lived without walking with Christ and I've lived with walking him. And it's a lot easier when I can lean on him. Right. It's a lot easier to make it through each day knowing that he's there right beside me. Bow your heads as we pray our dismissal prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for the fellowship and worship that we've had. But most of all, Father, we thank you for the word that's given today. Lord, I pray that as we go our separate ways today, Lord, you would keep us safe, that you would watch over us, Lord, and that you would let us fellowship and share your love with those around us this week, Father. Be with us, Lord, until you bring us back at the next appointed hour. For we give you all the glory and praise. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.